Well, once again, good evening. Welcome to Hair and Now. I'm your host, Jeff Hare, sitting here from soggy Southern California. Uh, been raining all week, been raining, you know, what they say is in California, it's sunny and clear for 360 days a year. Seems like we uh, <laughs> almost that way with the rain. It's been raining for the last few days. Stopping tomorrow a little bit. I got to, I hope so. I got to, I want to try to get a game of pickleball in or two. Uh, before the rain comes again this weekend but uh, of course california needs the wet so it's it's like anything else in california though it's so extreme it comes and it comes hard it makes a mess of everything but uh, anyway we're getting through it tonight i'm going to call this edition of hair and now the carlos korea edition i'm going to talk a little bit about carlos in just a few minutes but i do want to uh just tie up some loose ends about pitching that we've been talking about over the last uh, week or so on this uh, in these segments and uh, just discuss it again a little bit about uh, really what happens Pitching in the major league level now, the last few weeks I've been giving you some terminology, a curveball, a slider, a two-seam fastball, a four-seamer. Uh, tonight, uh, we're just going to kind of clarify just a, a, a couple of quick things on that point, if I can uh, get my notes out here. Uh, one thing that I, I, I was really kind of curious in is what does a major league team look for when they scout? a player in the high school or college level and think that maybe this guy can be someone who'll bring into minor league camp and take a look at. Uh, I asked a friend of mine, a guy by the name of Richard Fisher, who played in the Angels organization for a lot of years. In fact, when Richard was playing minor league ball in Cedar Rapids, I used to watch him play. And it's amazing. Now I see him a lot. Uh, he comes to my office every once in a while. And we have a nice chat. Uh, but he was playing class A ball in Cedar Rapids, low A ball in Cedar Rapids all those years ago. And he was in uh, now he, he has uh, a, a real job, but he still does some bird dog scouting for the California Angels or the Anaheim Angels. Or I, let me rephrase that. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim does some scouting for them. And uh, I asked him just that question point blank. I said, Rich, what are you guys looking for when you see a pitcher? How, where, at what point do you guys decide you can bring this kid in or not? And what he told me was really interesting. He says, you know, he said, when, I, when he broke into the minor leagues, when he got drafted in the minor leagues in the late 80s, early 90s, he said you'd have one or two guys that would come in throwing the ball in the mid to high 90s. He says, right now, about everybody coming in is throwing hard. They're throwing in the low to mid, higher 90s, every guy coming in. He said, a lot of that has to do with advancing the coaching techniques at younger levels, uh, the year-round play, and, and the way that the scouting they're getting, and the mechanism, the mechanics, and all that they're being taught at a younger age. So he said, guys are coming in now at a higher level, uh, throwing the ball harder. He said, the thing of it is, though, they're all bringing the ball in right across the play, right at the belt. He said, they're all throwing 95 at the belt. That's fine, except we all know in baseball, 95 at the belt has a way of uh, finding itself in the cheap seats real easy. So what we to discuss this is, so what do you look at? What do you do then? He said, well, it's really simple. He says, we take a pitcher, we take a batter, and we measure nine inches above his knee and down. So what we're telling our pitchers is, is that we want you to back off the volume back off the velocity and come in about six inches to the knee level at about, uh, you know, high uh, midnight, low nineties, you come in uh, high eighties, low nineties. If you can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball or 92 mile an hour fastball on the knees, it's more effective and it's a better pitch than 95 at the belt. Now that makes sense. We all know that. But he said, the problem is he's getting pitchers in that mindset. He said, they're coming in throwing the ball just as hard, burn back and throwing as hard as they can. He said, that's fine. Now we're telling them back up a little bit on the velocity and put the ball where we want it consistently all day long in that spot, right at the six-inch mark over the, above the knee all day long. And he said, that's a hard thing to get a kid to do. And he said, uh, that pitch coming in, like he said, 92 at the knees is a lot harder to hit than 95 at the belt. And he said, if you can get that consistently, that's it. He said, the other thing uh, I asked him about, how many pitches do you need? And he said, you have to have three pitches basically to get out of double A ball 
to make your move into the majors. He said, if you don't have three good, solid pitches uh, that you can get over consistently for strikes, he says, uh, you know, you're not going to come out. So that's another thing. If you're a young pitcher out there, get that third pitch and and work it up and, and you know what you're, what you're dealing with. But this is what the man tells me who goes to the angel camp every year and works with the pitchers. And this is what, what they're looking at. Now, one other thing he told me, which I didn't quite realize, but it makes all the sense in the world. And it's just one of those things. It's common sense. But he said what they look for, especially in pitchers in AAA or all ball players in AAA, he says, is how big is the moment for him? He says, you see this all the time where players just tear up the minor leagues and they get to the big league park or big league venue and they just can't handle it. And he says, you see this a lot with younger players. They come in and just cannot handle uh, the moment. And he says, this is something that the major league teams are very, very conscious of. They'll see a guy looking and can he handle the moment? And he said, that's a big, big factor in determining who goes in the majors and who doesn't, who makes it in the majors and who doesn't. He says, you see kids all the time just can't come out of it and they'll never make it in the big leagues. And that's that. And he says, they got good stuff as pitchers. They hit the ball well, but they get to the big league ballpark and they just can't do it. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. I, I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, how, how do you get in front of a crowd of 50,000 people? And national television and the guy sent back throwing you a, a you know a 12-6 curveball how are you going to hit that you know how, you, how, how can you put your mindset into that and that's what he said he says a very very difficult thing but anyway i thought that was interesting just that conversation with him about really what they're looking for before they're even bringing pitchers in or even take them seriously in the organization is those things that consistency six inches and below on the knees and um and just if they can handle the moment or not. Now let's talk about Carlos Correa. What happened here to Carlos Correa? Okay. I mean, here is a guy who starts out with the Giants and what does he get? $13 million, $350 million. Let me rephrase that. $350 million over 13 years. What a, what a contract, right? I mean, geez. All right. Now that was all fine and good, but uh, something happened and it didn't work. And so he ends up going to the, the Mets at 12 years and $315 million. All right. Well, hey. I think you can afford to live in New York and that kind of money, right? Well, then what? That that fell apart, and he ended up with the Twins at six million or uh, six years at two hundred million. Okay, now that's still not chump change, but what happened? Why did this happen? Okay, well, it came down to a broken leg that he had in twenty fourteen in the minor leagues. They repaired it, like orthopedic surgeons are prone to do, with uh, with uh, uh, plates and screws and rods and the whole shot. Okay, so. He goes to the majors, and he's never been on the injured list due to this leg, but uh, there's concern. And the Giants take a look at the physical, and the, and the Giants got some concerns, whether or not he can play uh, through the entire 13 years of that contract with that with the screws and the plates in his neat leg. Hey, that's what their concern was. Well, Scott Burrows, and we all know about Scott, right? He's our, he's our favorite agent. He pulls him out of the San Francisco, says, bye, guys. We're going to go to the New York Mets. Well, Metropolitan doctors took a look at it and said the same thing. So, yeah, we like him. We want him to play for us. But you know what? We got some concerns about that leg. Now, I'm not sure if it's the medical people or if it's the insurance company. Something I didn't realize, but it makes sense. Major League Baseball does insure these contracts because they're not going to get burned if a guy can't play. Uh, the long-term deals, the high price long-term deals. Major League Baseball does insure them. They don't get 100% of it, but they get like 80%. 80% of $40 million is still some change. I don't care what you say, but, that, you know, the insurance companies, I, I'm wondering if they're the ones that actually came in here and said, look, I'm not sure we're going to insure this guy because we don't think he's going to hold on for 12 years, 13 years, the way these two deals are structured. And I'm wondering if they're the ones who put the kiboshes to it because it seemed like 
the owners of the Mets or the owners of the Giants could have just said, you know, the hell with it. We're going to pay the guy and let him go. Let's bring him on. We, he's going to win us a World Series. I mean, that's usually what they do, right? And for that to stop that quick tells me that one person did it or one group did it. That would have been the insurance companies walked in and said, we're not touching this guy. That's just my personal take on it. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. But it just it, it's, it stands a reason that, uh, you know, that both those two teams walked that away. The Twins, Correa passes physical today, six years. They think he could play on six years. They think they'll get the six years out of him. Their doctor signed off. He played for them last year, so they know what he can do. Played 142 games for him last year. So I guess it makes sense. Correa still put some money into his pocket, not as much as he, I think, would have hoped or what he wanted or what he certainly expected. I'm sure Scott Boros told, told him, uh, you know, this 13 years and $350 million, whatever those numbers are, just absurd. But uh, – I don't know. Just my own thoughts on the whole thing. And is, is, as I say, I, I, I got to think there's a part of me that the Giants and the Mets are both probably standing back and breathing a huge sigh of relief, whether or not he can or can't play. That is a lot of dough for a player. Um, but both of them are paying it. So they've been paying it for others. Not that kind of money, but they're paying substantial salaries. And both of them, we all know what Steve Cohen and the Mets wants. And that's a World Series. Shove it in the Yankees' face, but that's <laughs> that's what's going on in New York, as uh, as we know. Mets are one of the you know the, the funnest franchise in all of sports, for my money, is the New York Mets. I mean, you read their history, going back to the nineteen early sixties when they lost one hundred twenty games and all the way through, and Willie Mays running around under fly balls. You know, the, you know who was a great player. Obviously, we all know that, but towards the end and all the way up through the Amazons in sixty nine, and and uh, and then of course the eighty five team and all the crap and garbage those guys are responsible for and all that. Uh, the Mets are a very, very fun franchise. I think we need more franchises like uh, the Mets. Whether or not they win or not, who cares, who knows. We're just fun reading about, you know, the guy going out with the trumpet this year. I loved all that. I thought that was just great, great theater watching all that. But uh, anyway, that's just a personal rampage uh, as I wait around for the rain to stop and get my pickleball paddle out and get it all polished up and get ready to go out there and get my brains kicked in by a 72-year-old woman like I think happened to me a week or two ago. If you're ever playing pickleball and somebody and, and if some old woman or old man kind of crawls up to the to the court, I'll play you once, stay away. They know what they're doing. They're just taking your money, is what they're doing. They're just <laughs> they're just setting you up for failure. Anyway, thanks for tuning in tonight. And you know, one last thing before I go away, a lot of people out there are hurting. A lot of people are sick. A lot of people are really going through a lot this time of year. Keep them close to your thoughts and prayers, if you would. A lot of our friends need our help. And just reach out to them and say hello and tell them, let people know that you're caring about them. Thanks. Have a good evening. This is Jeff.